This episode is very graphic, and is not intended for anyone under 18 years of age. Please be advised of your surroundings if not wearing headphones. Listener discretion is highly advised. This podcast is sponsored by O's. O's is a premium disposable flavored vape. It comes in 12 delicious flavors and all ingredients are made in the United States. I'm personally in love with the lemon tart. It's practically always in my hand. If you vape and have not tried O's yet, you can head on over to letsoze.com. That's L-E-T-S-O-Z-E.com. You can order now and use my promo code HARMONY and get 30% off your order. Again, that's O's.com, promo code HARMONY. This episode is sponsored by Doom and Groom. Doom and Groom are a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe, keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use my code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net, promo code HARMONYDOOM. This podcast is sponsored by Nexus Mars. Nexus Mars is an online edible and snack pack company. If you head over to nexusmars3.com, you will see everything they have to offer. Thanks to Nexus Mars, I can offer you a very exclusive deal. For the first 100 people that head over to nexusmars3.com and use promo code HARMONY20, you will receive 20% off your order. Again, that is only for the first 100 people. So head on over to nexusmars3.com before this offer expires. Hey guys, what's up and welcome to this week's episode. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time, hi, I'm Harmony and I'll be your host. Every week you and I can meet for a date and I can sit here and tell you some of the weirdest shit that I have ever discovered in the world. These stories often range from true crime to hauntings to conspiracies and so much more. If that sounds like something you're into, hit that follow button and bam, you and I can meet every week and I'll tell you some of the weirdest shit that's out there. Now, for all of my listeners that have been here for a while, what's up, buddy? I feel like crap today. So I'm sure that my voice is reflecting that, and I'm very, very sorry. Because I love this podcast, though, I wasn't going to not create an episode. As long as I can sit up and talk, I'm going to be here. So, hello from my bed, because that's what this episode is being recorded on. If you don't mind dealing with the fact that I'm feeling a little bit down and just not so well, then let's go ahead and start this episode. For us to really get started with this episode, I need to say one word. MySpace. Now, Washington community is shaken after a 17-year-old employee at a McDonald's restaurant is stabbed to death. 17-year-old Anna Swiderski died on Thursday night after she was stabbed during her shift at McDonald's. Hundreds of people came tonight to pay their respects to Anna and her family. About 1,200 people crowded into the sanctuary to say farewell to the teenagers. Some of Anna's family members came to the podium to say some very emotional words about their sister. If you had a MySpace, there's a very good chance that the moment you heard the name Anna Spadersky, you knew exactly who she was. This case was very, very massive, and if you had a MySpace, her page was flashed all over. 
Anna was what we would call nowadays a, uh, maybe a young influencer. She didn't do anything though to make this notoriety happen. She simply shared her life on MySpace. This is nothing new. Many of us did this in the early 2000s. MySpace was the place to be. Who was in your top eight? Now don't worry, if you don't know what a MySpace is, I'll go ahead and tell you because what you see today is nothing like what it once was. The MySpace I wanna focus on is from the 2006 era. I don't know why I said era, but I do feel like that was just ancient times. Social media wasn't what it was today. This was when AIM was one of those like, oh my God, <laughs> I get to talk to my friend on an instant message. I don't have to pay rates for texting. It's just there. And again, if you don't know what AIM is or MySpace, don't worry, it's fine. You don't really have to know, but this does set the basis for this case. Anna had a MySpace, and if you logged in in 2006, there's a very good chance that you saw this viral news article going around with a video attached. Anna Spadursky was a young woman who was working at McDonald's when a man came in and stabbed her. This was the case that broke MySpace. With reaction from stunned fans. It's really tragic what happened, and I was, I'm willing to do anything just to help her and the family out. This started out as something that happened in Vancouver, Washington, and it's grown to being worldwide. Anna Spadarski was a teenager who lived in Vancouver, Washington. And one night while she was working her shift at McDonald's, a man by the name of David Barton Sullivan, who was schizophrenic and a twice convicted sex offender, walked into her business and took her life. News of her death quickly spread worldwide, thank you, to MySpace. You see, Anna had a personal page on there and this was something new to the internet. Being able to put faces and seeing the real life of these victims. It wasn't just being told because of the news and being told what they chose to tell you. It was being able to see that there is a person behind this and that they too had a life. Because of these sites like this that were related to MySpace and social media becoming a boom in the world, the news of Anna's murder spread everywhere. Now that might not seem like anything because today with access to the internet, that's nothing new. But this was new. This was the early internet days where kids were starting to you know, become adults and have access and wanted to improve the internet, which meant more people were creating more sites and more people were connecting. Due to the effect of social media in this case, her death was compared to that of Princess Diana. That is how much coverage Anna Spadursky received. And for those of you who never heard of it, don't worry, you're about to find out. Here we go. Six days shy of her 18th birthday. I just can't believe that this is happening, and I wish that Anna was here, so I, like, I wish she could see all this. just can't believe that something like that happened. She was a wonderful, wonderful girl. Every one of the employees is wearing one of these buttons with a picture of Anna Spadarski on it. At Fort Vancouver High School, she was all set to graduate this spring and then go off to college in the fall. Working very hard, not only a senior at Fort Vancouver High School, but also working often several jobs. In the bright evening sun, tonight dozens of candles burn even brighter in honor of 17-year-old Anna Zadursky. If you could look at Anna's profile, which was called Scene Slut on MySpace, yeah, okay, listen, we had some weird names, all right? That was just what you did on MySpace. MySpace at the time was the biggest social media site on the internet. 
But if you could look at Anna's page, you would get an insight to the typical life of an American teenager. Now, Anna may look like your typical American teenager, but she was actually born in Russia in a small town near the border of Kazakhstan. Before Anna was two, her and her family moved to California. They lived there until around 2001 when Anna's parents would get a divorce and they would move to Vancouver, Washington. Checking out her profile, you will see that she loves the OC and she had a request that you make me smile. Ha, <sighs> simpler times. Make me smile. <laughs> now I just ask people, please don't make me cry. I already have a hard time adulting. Nonetheless, her page made you instantly love her. She really did seem like this amazing young girl. Anna had her whole life ahead of her and her page showed you this. Now, much like the events of social media today, when somebody passes away, their pages or any content that they create become flooded as people find out who they are. And this is exactly what happened with Anna, all thanks to the horrific events of April 20th, 2006. This is when David Barton Sullivan visited the McDonald's where Anna was working. David was a convicted sex offender and suffering from schizophrenia. He was clearly unwell. When he walked into that McDonald's, he saw Anna and brutally stabbed her to death. This was only six days before Anna's 18th birthday. I think the most horrific part of this case is that David, when he left his home, he grabbed a kitchen knife and he had the intention of, quote, hurting a female. This story is tragic. A young girl is just working, trying to get money. She's getting ready to graduate high school. She's only six days from her 18th birthday. She is so excited to really continue and live her life. But this man had other plans for her. Now this story, though, as I said, tragic, heartbreaking, and just shocking, was never ever destined to attract worldwide attention. That was, however, until social media entered the picture. Anna's friends decided to post news of her murder on MySpace. Together, they all composed a tribute for Anna, complete with a collage of photographs and sent it out to all of their contacts. I'm gonna quickly play a snippet of a song that was first attached to one of these tributes, and this may ring a bell if you had a MySpace. I never knew, I never knew that everything was falling through That everyone I knew was waiting on a cue To turn and run when all I needed was the truth In my personal experience, when I first encountered the case of Anna, that song was playing with a tribute video. I remember this day vividly of the very first time I saw Anna's picture, the video, and heard about the story. I was living in Tallahassee, just 19 years old, looking on my MySpace when all of a sudden I got a message. This message had a post all about Anna's murder. And in it was this little tribute video with the cable car or over my head by the fray that played over a bunch of videos and pictures of Anna. For some reason, it really hit me. It was shocking, you know, to sit and uh, I guess be on the internet and hear about something and be able to access this person's life so easily. This this wasn't normal. It It wasn't something that you could actually do until, well, then because the internet and the way you could get your hands on things without the news being involved and only telling you what they wanted to. It made it seem 
so much more real. This may be hard to picture today, the shock of being able to go and look at a content creator or someone's life so easily after they pass away because that's just how it is today. With a quick little Google search, you can find almost anybody. But in 2006, it was still so new. So being able to see someone's life that was a victim was just, it was heartbreaking. And it really made it a reality. Now for anyone that follows me knows that I've dealt with some serious trauma in my life and at 19, I was just two years out from a very, very traumatic event. So her passing and in the violent nature it was really hit a chord with me. Being able to have a look at Anna's life and things that she did so easily affected so many people. This really was new for the world. I personally wrote the band Hollywood Undead because on MySpace at the time, you could choose a song that would play, and she had a Hollywood Undead song on. Yo, this is the curls, bitch. We ain't just a gay motherfucker, but a way of life. Yo, check it. This is my boy, the producer. All you fans and sunset, show me what the fuck you want. Seeing kids, get up stars, come on, grab a gun. All the world in Hollywood, drinking for the in the hood. Feel it, feel it, shake that ass. Like you Seriously, I cannot express how big this case hit. So when I reached out to Hollywood Undead, I actually got a response back and they let me know they were planning on leaving their song on their page because if they removed it, it would no longer play on Anna's. And they did that for quite some time. I also ended up becoming friends with Matt, who was the Curls, uh, during that whole process. And for years, we stayed in contact. We still follow each other here and there on social media. I think the last time I reached out to him was like three, four years ago. But yeah, so this case really had a huge impact. It made it so much easier to realize that you can connect with people and find out things that you may not otherwise have been able to find out. And this made it so that everyone felt like they really knew who Anna was, and therefore, they could relate. Now, Anna's friends, when they set out this tribute, they wanted to let people know what happened to Anna, and they wanted to keep her memory alive. And boy, oh boy, did they succeed. Soon, it was circulating around all of MySpace. If you have a TikTok, imagine scrolling through your For You page and everything you see would just be Anna, 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 have you heard a stabbing at McDonald's? I mean, it was everywhere. You could not be on your MySpace without seeing something that had to do with Anna. When we think of messages that are forwarded or mass sent today, we get very aggravated. They're usually just spam or people that are lazy and just want to send everybody something instead of just reaching out to you personally. However, back in the MySpace days, forwarded messages were a way for many people to get information that was very relevant to what was going on. It wasn't for spam like it is today. I mean, that happened, but nothing like it is today. So there began like these pleas with forwarded mass messages, and this made it spread so much more. People started talking virtually all about Anna and taking a look at her profile because they simply could. It was like being able to Google Anna, except at that time, you really couldn't Google people like that. Anna's profile became filled with tribute videos, posts by everybody. It seemed like anybody on the internet was leaving comments telling her to rest in peace, that she was loved, she was an inspiration. You know, it was, it was very beautiful. People from all over the world found her story so heart-wrenching that they took a moment while they were online to find her, look at her life, and say something. 
And I don't mean something like we do today where we have no problem being little assholes behind a screen. I mean genuinely nice people who went out of their way to even reach out to the family and see how they were. And they weren't doing this for clout, they were doing this because they cared. Just a few days after Anna's death, the story had reached much of the online world. Anna's death showed the world the power of the speed of the internet. While only at the time, very few British news sources had actually covered the teen story, thousands of British web users knew all about Anna's case. Anna was a student at Fort Vancouver High School in Vancouver, and she worked at the Anderson Road McDonald's. Just six days before her birthday, she was working a shift when a man by the name of David Sullivan walked into that McDonald's. Anna was just a senior, cleaning, getting ready to go home. She only had a little bit of time before she would graduate high school and head to college. Now, David had bad intentions that night. A previously convicted sex offender two different times. Yeah, again, this was a very sick man. He left his home on that day with the intent to murder or, quote, hurt a female. According to police and many news sources, he did not know Anna at all. He entered this McDonald's around 8 o'clock and walked right up to Anna, stabbing her with a kitchen knife. David was captured soon after the attack. He had already discarded the knife that he used, however, but was covered in blood. David was then charged with first-degree murder, but on July 26, 2007, he was acquitted by reason of insanity and was committed indefinitely to a mental hospital. Anna's murder absolutely dominated her hometown and spread through the world so fast it was like an internet wildfire. A dedicated page on MySpace was put up by her friends that received over 12,000 posts in just three days. I get it, with the social media world we have today, that doesn't sound like a lot, but I promise back then that would be like getting a million views in the span of 24 hours. Speaking of which, this hit so much on the internet that at the time, YouTube, which was still very new, started having tributes pop up for Anna. The McDonald's restaurant where Anna worked at in Vancouver actually held a fundraising day to help her family. Now, McDonald's had an original goal of being able to raise the family $15,000, but they actually surpassed this and achieved nearly $85,000. They did this by April 28th, and they had to stop because they ran out of food. Now, the McDonald's Corporation matched every sale with $1.50 per dollar, and other local McDonald's's also added 25 cents per dollar. I don't know why I said McDonald's's. It's, it's McDonald's. <laughs> okay, moving along. Thank you to the early days of the internet and social media, Anna's story gained so much worldwide attention. In Britain, the Guardian newspaper compared the widespread expression of grief by strangers from the internet due to her death to the death of Diana, the Princess of Wales, even calling it, quote, morning sickness. In a sense, her story was such a, a, a relevance, something that was so tangible that you could see, you could relate to it. It hit your very own emotional needs, heartbreaks, and fears. This caused it to truly gain a mass amount of attention because it was something that you could see happened and you could see that it was a typical person. It wasn't just this news story that flashed for a few minutes and you moved along with your day wondering if, you know, you're going to find out more or hear about it again. You could actually interact. 
Now, Anna was working her shift that night, getting ready to close. She was wiping down some tables when David walked in, walked directly up to her, and stabbed her in the chest with the kitchen knife that he grabbed from his house with the intent to hurt a female. He did not know Anna. She just happened to be the female that he locked sights on. And this happened when he walked in. Her coworkers watched this whole event unfold in front of them in horror. As soon as David fled the scene, witnesses chased after him and he was eventually caught by authorities. They did end up getting the murder weapon as well, but when they caught David, he was still covered in her blood. The most heartbreaking part of this is Anna's mother arrived at that Anderson Road McDonald's to pick up her daughter. After all, this was a normal day in her eyes. That was until that very moment. She arrived very shortly after these events, only to be told that her daughter had been brutally attacked by somebody and had been rushed to the hospital. As a parent, I cannot imagine what she was feeling. Sadly, just an hour after the attack at 9 p.m. on April 20th, Anna would pass away at the hospital. Again, this was just a few days before she turned 18, a few months before she was going to graduate high school and go to college. David Sullivan, the man behind this heinous act, was 28 years old at the time. Now, David was no stranger to, to trouble, to breaking the law. In 1999, he pled guilty and was convicted on the counts of false imprisonment due to sexual motivation to a 14-year-old girl. As you can tell, this man is severely unhinged. During this whole process, they put him in a mental institution and diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. Now with a diagnosis, he was put in prison for just 90 days. You heard that correctly. His punishment was simply 90 days for this heinous act that he committed on a 14-year-old girl. So if you didn't like our judicial system before, I'm sure you hate it now. Apparently, it's a place where you can spend, I don't know, 45 years in jail for an ounce of weed on you. But if you so much as do anything heinous to a child, a woman, or another human, especially that involves sexual assault, <laughs> don't worry, you just get a slap on the wrist. If that's not fucked, I don't know what is. Now, David was living with his parents at the time, just a mile away from this McDonald's. Now, when David was asked about the attack, he did express that what he did was wrong, and he knew this. He said that he should have just stayed at home with his stuffed animals, instead of doing all the evil stuff that he's done. Now, as I said, he was charged with first-degree murder, but, again, found unguilty by reason of insanity. Now, many of you guys may know that a lot of people try to make that plea. You know, oh, I did it because I'm insane. Woo, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But it's actually really rare that that ever is found to be the case. So if you have any ideas in your head of like doing anything to anybody and your go-to is going to be reason of insanity, you're most likely not going to get that. However, he was found to be absolutely mentally unstable. This is when he was put in a mental institution indefinitely, and he still remains there to this day. Now, on MySpace, we had something called bulletins. This is what her friends used to share this tribute and the awareness of the murder of Anna. That is what made the case blow up and take over the internet world. This allowed, with a matter of days, for the whole world to kind of come together and help and be there for Anna's family, go to that McDonald's, make those donations, buy the food, literally selling out the food at this restaurant and others just to try to help. 
I know this might sound like nothing new in a world like today, where you can find anything within moments of it happening where within those hours you can go ahead and donate and be there or learn more. But in 2006, it was so different. I genuinely believe that Anna's case is one of the very first ones that social media truly had an impact on. Or I guess could say, had an impact on social media. It really taught us just what the internet was. The fastest place in the world for anything to spread. <laughs> I just feel so lucky that I just had these 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 years with her. I, I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to leave so bad. We remember, and I think that's the biggest thing is that we won't forget. This brings us to the end of our episode, guys. That was Murder on MySpace, one of the very first crimes that I felt genuinely connected to in the world because I, too, could interact, could learn about the victim, could see their life. In a world like today where we are so desensitized and understand that everybody has a life and a perspective because we can simply just go and look at all of their, you know, internet footprints. It makes it so much more real today when we hear something happening, but it's become so normal that we can simply make a little search and find out who these people are. Back then, it was still so new. What happens to us when we die? That might be too complex and broad. A more specific question would be what happens to our memory when we die? How will the rest of the world, years, decades, possibly centuries later, remember us? Part of the answer to this question is our footprint we leave online and the concept of digital immortality. For many of us, we will forever be remembered because we have posted a picture, a video, content, something on the internet world. But in 2006, this was a very new thing. And Anna, by far, is a case of digital immortality. If you guys enjoyed this episode, let me know. Send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. I love getting messages from you guys weekly. It makes my day. If you have anything you'd like me to look into, send that as well, and I will do my very best to give you all the information that you are truly seeking. While you're at it, if you're sending me an email, go ahead and let me know. Do you remember the case of Anna? Did you have a MySpace? Or was this all brand new for you? All right, guys, I'm going to go lay down because I feel like crap. I can't wait to talk to you guys on the next episode of What the Actual F. But until then, love you. Later. Bye. I'll be facing it all. Fearless.